We are joined by Educated Collins, uh, absolutely phenomenal Marvel Snap player, absolutely phenomenal Hearthstone Battlegrounds player, generally pretty good at most things that he does. Uh, I think that's pretty much actually what sums it up here. Uh, Collins and I are bot farming brothers in arms. We once had an entire infinite climb where we just played each other and bots, and that was it. And through that, we learned about a little bit more about who we were as men. It's very good to have educated Collins on the podcast. Collins, I was requested to ask you the following question. Uh, how you going? <laughs> no, how you doing? Come on. <laughs> That's how it goes. But yeah. Hey, Kevin. Renan, how are you guys doing? It's it's generally nice to be here. And it was definitely really cool, like, talking to you and, and really kind of seeing the world through your eyes and stuff like that. We've talked before. It's it's been a it's been a nice discussion outside of the podcast. Like Oh god, you just... broke the fourth wall, dude. <laughs> we're, we're done. We're closing it. Yeah. All right. But yeah, this we, has been a great episode of the Snapshot Podcast. See you later, guys. No, no, no. We were talking about life and that's just as man, yes. you know, really feeling the yeah. whole existence of things. So it's definitely been fun and definitely excited to talk about some of the things in the game. There's there's a lot to talk about, especially with conquest and, and stuff going around yes. so it should be an interesting video awesome well i mean just to get our the people listening a baseline uh we have a section we call the bend the snaps usually our listener question section but this this week is going to be mine um i just want to ask you colin just a little bit about your background pre marvel snap what sort of card games did you play how did you eventually make the transition into snap and what has that journey been like especially maybe coming from a more traditional game like hearthstone into what i think is the modern day version of a digital card game marvel snap the short games sort of uh you know, acquisition system, et cetera. Just talk to me about your journey uh, into Marvel Snap and where you are at this point in your content creator life. Uh, okay. I mean, it all started as I was born, you know, years ago <laughs> back then. No, I mean, well, generally, I, I have two brothers and we would just play games together and we all were like particularly good at like one genre, like one was better at shooting, one was better at racing. I was like the strategy game player. Anytime we'd play a strategy game, I'd win and they get frustrated. I was just like, oh, I'm pretty good at this, you know, just generally um, learning there. And I've always liked card games, always liked the ability to plan things out and, and set up and, and really say, oh, I'm going to do this, do this, do this, and, and outplay my opponent through specific strategies. So um, started in, I guess the, the most recent card game was like Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! is really what uh, pushed me into the TCG genre. And really like that. I played uh, like online. I would say there was like a free website where you could have all the cards, and I was, <laughs> I, was I was like, yes, let's go. Uh, but generally, when Hearthstone came out, I was pretty excited for that, and really excited for the arena mode. That was really where I liked it. I liked it generally because um, there was no advantage for money. You were just like, it's just skill testing. Mm -hmm. You go, whoever has you know the highest skill over period of time will have the highest rating have the highest kind of win percentage and i really just liked that kind of vibe magic has the same thing in like draft as mm -hmm. well like like those are the kind of things i really enjoy and the overall you know as time we progress into battlegrounds which is just another subsection of skill testing right there's no like inherent advantage from a player to another and then snap came out and i was just playing it casually i guess i was just like oh you know this is a nice cool card game i could play on my phone and then the secret was the there was an event that came out um 
uh, lunar or something event and the Nian challenge. Yeah, the Nian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, there was like, okay, you can get a hundred points per day, but if you <laughs> if everyone has a hundred points, the tiebreaker is just highest rank or whatever. Yes. And I did it the first day, and I was like just at the top, <laughs> and I was like, wait I- a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually almost exactly what happened to me. I was just like playing and playing and playing. And they announced a leaderboard in the wave season. Right. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm on this leaderboard. I'm like 90th or whatever. And then I just like kept playing and playing and playing. I ended up being like fourth on that leaderboard. And it was just like, oh, oh, I actually, oh, oh, okay. I'm actually like good at this. I get it. (laughs) That's exactly. I was like, wait a minute. I'm the highest ragged at it right now. I was like, oh, I should probably yeah. take advantage of that. <laughs> yeah. So, so because that's, that's of that, exactly what it was. Yeah, because of that event, I was like, okay, maybe I should jump into it or 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 see where I go from there. And I decided, okay, I I'll make a YouTube channel for it, make some videos like that, and kind of blossom when I saw all the support. So that's kind of my mm-hmm. reasoning. So. Yeah. Shame that there's no more events that we we really see because you know it, it can bring people. Are you sure, in. man? Yeah. Like, are you uh, sure? Because like well, I, I, don't remember, okay. I looked at that event. I, I looked at that I event say, and that, I was like, that, event, that is the worst thing I've ever that, seen. <laughs> that event was pretty stressful. First of all, That's and also awful. the the last day I got really scammed because the last day lasted for like three hours. Yeah, in the middle of yes, the night, they messed and, that up, and I was sleeping essentially. And when I woke up, I was like, oh, I don't even get to participate. I did everything perfect for all the other days, did all of the, but because I was, it, it was from like midnight to 3 a.m. Or, or something <laughs> at the last day, I'd lose out on that reward. Obviously, the reward is a title and I don't care about titles really, but the feeling of like, oh, I did like 99.9% correct. And because I, I was asleep that last three hours, which they didn't yeah. tell you it was going to be like that. They did well. not tell you. There was no communication on that. I think, I think it's just something that they like kind of messed up internally in terms yeah, of the right. start time and the end yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And by the time they realized it, it was like, all right, well, this wasn't even like a real event anyway let's just move on move mm. past it it's like that. I, i'm pretty it sure sucks. like it's a it's a third party that uh, really uh, structures those events so secondary and like so? fully yeah I, I don't think secondary is like fully investing those events i think mm-hmm. they kind of delegate it off to a different group and they they kind of it looks like there, it because so. the quality is so bad on some of them <laughs> the it feels so bad, like something I that's not that was because it was i just assumed that was because it was on the fly mm. right they were yeah. just like it's the beta. Let's just like throw an event out there and see how it goes. And they did that a lot. There were a lot of like weird events that were just yeah, like, this yes. kind of sucks. Come yeah, I just play. don't. It's I don't think it's the second dinner team really doing that. I think it's a third party that yeah. that kind of delegates it, and then they just like, okay, yeah, sure, as long as you know no one's complaining. But then people start complaining, and they're like, all right, let's take it out. Like, yeah, no more. I want to give people so, uh, a bit more of a baseline in case they haven't encountered this feature in Snap. But I- I'm not sure. Are they? Are they? They don't do these things anymore, right? Like, no, they said okay. they were they were stopping. Okay, so it used to be you could go into your what was like your news tab on mobile, and mm-hmm. there was like some sort of mini game for I don't know if it was like the week or the month. And often they were like it was usually like the month. Yeah, often mm-hmm. it was like go click this thing, and you can generate this some 
somehow this other resource and then eventually maybe you'll get some tokens or or something right and it was really clunky and the animations like look terrible etc uh it was weird uh anyway they eventually came out with one that was the like you said it was like the lunar event challenge the which Nian was challenge exactly so there was there was some rewards for this one and there was a pseudo leaderboard and like colin said the tiebreaker was your actual rank so the people people were tied because there was a max you could get every single day yeah, and then yeah. you were actually able to see like a leader like oh wow i'm i'm ranked number one um, it was just it was just the worst designed event of all time <laughs> right like if you wanted to have a, a matchup like where it's like all right why wouldn't you just do a normal leaderboard why would you split it up by earn a hundred cubes but you get double cubes for playing like the specific cards <laughs> in your deck and also you can only get a hundred cubes a day so if you ever miss a day you fall off the leaderboard even if your rank is higher than the people below you i remember i think the 10th person in na was like rank 119 mm -hmm. which in those days like all due respect like there were people i think i finished one of these seasons at like 615 right mm -hmm. like that's yeah. that's what we're talking about right and so the set, the 10th person in NA was like 119. They weren't actually the 10th player in NA. They were just the 10th person in NA who was like, I'm not taking a day off. I'm getting 100 cubes every day. Was, I looked at that event and I was like, there's no way. I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not doing that to myself. I'm not going to do it. 100 cubes, right? Every day for, uh, what was it, like 30 days? Like it yeah, was, yes. you had to be, uh, you had to really want it. <laughs> it to win the, uh, win the I, I was number one. I just wanted to keep that spot. <laughs> like, I didn't care what the there, I just There <laughs> is a guy in my Discord, shout out, uh, the human spider, I think, yes. did, did it. I yeah, think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, might have done it as well and just like i have no idea how in <laughs> just i don't know where you summon the inner strength to it, it's because you see yourself on the leaderboard here you're just like i want to keep that that's that's how you do it at least for me good, dude. just gamers oh man. my god uh colin you mentioned something I do wanna, hold on go ahead do you mind i want to i want to i want to i want to double back on something because uh -huh. I, I thought it was interesting that you were just like always good at games and i wanted to dive into something on that because like I was not right. I would devote some time to playing these games, but like, I guess I would, the way I would phrase it is I don't think I was playing it in the right way. And so when I first started playing Hearthstone, I learned how to improve through like various people in the community. By the time I went from magic or went from Hearthstone to magic, I already had like a very good basis. I put myself in a position to improve again by putting myself in the center of a community of very good players. And that's how I learned, I guess, how to learn. So what's fascinating to me is not just that, like, it almost feels like you didn't have to learn that. No, I had to learn no. how to be good. That, and I just, that's, like, it, that's not true. Uh, it's just that I learn early. And, and once again, I have two brothers, right? Very competitive brothers. Like, they're not bad players, right? So I'm, I always, I was always testing myself against them as I was growing up. So those skills of, like, how to improve, how to, you know, beat other people that are also very skilled right it, it was ingrained as i was learning playing against them learning and, and matching up and like trying to beat them and, and get better it was just at the point like i maybe devote devoted a lot of time into the strategy portion of games where maybe they kind of fall went a different path so while i was devoting myself into that aspect of gaming they were like still good but they didn't have that drive to like really maximize everything so um it 
at some point there, there became a, a gap essentially where yeah. like oh they couldn't beat me anymore because even if they tried because i was still learning and learning and still focusing on getting better while they maybe didn't have that same push to like learn and master strategy games to the extent that i pushed myself to so um i was doing that it's early and 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 yeah. and it still continued right as i as the pool got bigger as i fought different people and better players Right, I I once again had to keep learning, keep growing, and and uh, keep testing myself to keep to keep progressing in that skill set, and and um, over you know over time you just get better at like identifying what's good to focus on, what's not, and then you know there we there we have me here, I guess. So, what advice would you give to someone who is willing to put in the time hmm. but doesn't know where to start? Like, if you're like someone who's like you know okay. And you're Those like, I want to be really questions. good. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm sorry. Um, generally, I guess to really be good is, first of all, you have to know what you want to be good at, right? Like what aspect of the game? Because they're, like the, the strategy game portion has a lot of different aspects, right? There's deck building, gameplay mechanics, just learning what to focus on, what part of the game, being good at one aspect or so so you kind of have to figure out do i want to be good at making decks do i want to be good at picking a deck that's mastered and being becoming one of those masters yourself do i want to be good at creating new things that other people can follow do i want to be good at teaching people or being able to teach someone a deck that they've built and why it's good and why you should be should, should i be good at matchups right understanding why this deck is strong into some matches, why this deck is not, right? And, and, and generally, like, there's so many things. You really have, to, like, a really skilled player is really good at a lot of those things. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of these things, right, they've learned to put in the time. So you kind of have to figure out what are your weaknesses, right? And that can be a hard question to ask, be and, and a question you might not even know the answer to. Like, what do you, what do you suck at? I don't know. I, I work, I'm good at everything. And this is generally, like, what humans like to say, but that's not really true. There are things that you falter on and it, it can be hard to identify it. So usually the best way to learn what you, you're not good at is to fight people who are better than you, essentially, right? Who can consistently beat you. And then why are they beating you, right? Like, and if you can find where they're beating you at and then finding a way to like get better at those things so that those aren't weaknesses anymore, you keep doing that into every skill set, right? Then you become very strong overall. And, and being strong overall is how you consistently beat people, right? You can get lucky at times just being strong in a particular area, but being strong as a fundamental, right? That's how you beat people in tournaments and stuff like that because you can't really be surprised if anything unique happens. So um, generally, if you want to get good, right? Like find a group of players right at your skill level or better and you converse with them fight them generally something i i used to do it like in hearthstone and stuff is i'd watch players mm -hmm. right and generally as i'm learning a game as i watch players i'm basically just like oh yeah that's a cool idea from them da, 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 da. and i'll just learn what they think and, and stuff like that there comes a point where i start disagreeing with them and that's when I know there's something there because I have enough knowledge to understand what they're saying, but then even more knowledge to disagree with their thoughts, you see. So um, that kind of thing can take a lot of time and really a good understanding of the game itself and all those things. But that, that's really how you would, 
get to a point where you're confident in yourself to be able to beat a person or, or a player and have that kind of skill set when you can understand and then still disagree, but still understand where they're coming from. So it, I, I, I like to see things from everyone's perspective, I guess, generally. That's just like my personality. Like, so I, 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 I like to like, see, you're saying this, I, I understand it. You're saying this, I also understand it. They might be two different points completely, but I'll try to understand both things. And I'll take that into games as well. As I'm playing someone, I'm kind of playing their, their deck as well as I'm playing against them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, what are, they, what are they thinking to beat me? And I'll just like, the next step right and then okay if, yeah, if, if, if thinking, i'm doing, right? yeah, like if I'm doing that right then they can't win essentially right because yeah if whatever you're on the right thinking, level. i'm also thinking that so i'm only gonna lose if i'm not thinking what they're thinking essentially so they, or they have if they're to be, good enough to yeah. like realize that you're doing that put themselves in your shoes and then. yes but if they're good enough then i also do that as well and you right? know so, that and then you yeah, have to yeah, yes. yeah so it, it it's annoying like as they get better right then then yes that, that's that's how you know you, you start struggling because it, it becomes like a whole mind game of like ah they is it just a flip essentially like at, at, at some highest levels like if everyone knows what's going on it's like well if i go left and they go right i lose if i go right and they go left, well, I, uh, then they lose right so what what is it right is it just a flip right sometimes it's like that but a lot of times it's not right like if there's a there's a winning line as long as you're aware of it. So that's kind of um, a line. I, I, this is definitely a lot of like information to be like. No, it's know, good. I ask. That's call, like, call, I, yeah, you I, ask right, and it's good. a lot of times these answers are like very long. So, uh, mm -hmm. but but overall, those kind of things like incorporating a lot of those elements will get you to a level where you can consider yourself c competitive. I guess so. So uh, one of the things that really sticks out to me that I think is a big key for me, right? Like you talk about the importance of competing against people who are better than you or on your skill level, right? Uh, and I never really had that opportunity to like really dive down. And that is the kind of opportunity that actually enabled me to get good. And the way I was able to do that was not was by a using ladder as the like, you know, approximation of competing against people at my skill level in various games. And then outside of the game, surrounding myself with players who are also trying to improve, taking mm -hmm. that and applying it to ladder. One of the things that I remember from Magic, I saw a tweet. I don't know who said it. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. But it was someone saying that, like, the number one thing you can do to improve at Magic that most people don't do is play more games of Magic. That mm -hmm. people spend too much time thinking about Magic when what they actually need to get better is to play more of the game. I have always taken that. That has been the method by which I have improved at a certain level. Like once you are elite, then, yeah, you can look at stuff and just think about it and be like, oh, I get this. But until you're there to get to that level, what you need is to compete. Mm. And that, that's absolutely true. And that is and that is like like and that seems like what I took away from what you said, and it jives very well with my own experience where it's like, if you are not there, you need to compete because that's how you get there. Yeah. Almost all the tips of how to get better at card games are actually just tips on how to get better at things in general. You talked about doing things more, putting in the work, right? Uh, watching other people, learning for them, mentorship, you know, 
getting together with groups of people, learning from them, uh, running through plays, play lines in your head when you're watching other people, pattern recognition, et cetera. All of these things are just fundamentals of how to get better at things in life. And I think card gamers are really interesting because on the aggregate, they seem to do it the most efficiently and the best. And the biggest revelation for me over the years when I've watched truly world-class card gamers is that they understand value better than anybody else that I've ever seen. They understand like the quantitative value of drawing a card or just when you come to deck building, sometimes it's easy to slip into this sort of more ephemeral look at deck building where it's like, oh, I'm trying to do the synergy. I put this card in my deck. I put it, play it in the middle. It shuffles my cards back. I almost, you know, I'll draw my good card that wins the game. But the people that consistently break the games, the ones like, no, this card is a 2-5 and that one's a 2-4. So the 2-5 just simply goes in my deck. And they do that over and over and over again with many different concepts. And that's for me been like the number one thing that I've seen out of gamers or like card gamers have just been excellent is when they have that conversation in their mind, they always find the highest value, the highest value play, the highest value line, highest value deck building decision, et cetera. Um, yeah, I don't know. that's kind of like my little rant of card gamers. <laughs> No, it's good. Yeah. I think I think that was like a pretty solid what like opening segment. Jesus, it's <laughs> like just a solid fifteen minutes of exactly what people probably are listening to this to hear. So, mm-hmm. I'm yeah, with it. Uh, Collins, I do want to circle back and something. Oh, no, you he said. has something to say. I oh, saw yeah, sorry, I was I was looking down. My <laughs> what is it? What uh, is it? Okay, I just wanted a little bit of follow up in that in the um what you said about playing more games. So uh, the the rationale for that is that. There's just too many novel situations in the game that you won't know mm. if you mm-hmm. don't play if you don't play games. Like there's there in a course of a game, you might see like five hundred different options, essentially. And as you play the game, you you don't know where those options lead unless you've seen them before. So as you play more, more of those options you try and you get to see like, oh, this option led me to a victory. This option led me to a defeat. And if you watch games, you don't have that visceral knowledge of like, this leads here, this leads here. And you can watch a lot, but then once you're in the game, you're like, I actually have no idea what to do. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so you, you have to play the game to really understand like in the mind, like, oh, this is a wrong decision. This is a, this is a right decision. So people that don't play enough just won't have that and they'll always be shocked by any new scenario that comes out and as you play you get more comfortable you're able to deal with novel situations that you've never seen before and really progress from there i I, very recently like this week i was practicing for a different game that had a huge update and i was you know playing playing against people Mm -hmm. that have been playing for months essentially right and even though i knew what to do with my deck or, or whatever I didn't know what to do against their deck, essentially. And I just hadn't played that matchup enough while they have played my matchup hundreds of times. Like, they know, oh, if I do this, I'll just do this. If I do this, I'll just do this. While I'm thinking, okay, he did something. I've never seen it before. What what, what do I do here? Every single time. And it's just such a huge disadvantage, right? Like, you can be good in games, but because you have no idea what to do in that scenario, where they have seen that scenario hundreds, if not thousands of times, of course they will beat you every single time. So It's so bad. It's it's, so, so, so bad. Like, that's what I was when I was bad. I was too theory-y. 
Mm. And then I would get on the yeah. game and I'd be like, oh, well, I'm, I, uh, I guess I do this. And it would be wrong because fucking of course it would be wrong. I have never been in that situation before. You get good at things by doing them. You don't mm. go to the gym and bench 400. You go to the gym and you work up to it. Like you don't. <laughs> You don't, you don't go to the gym, think about benching 400, and then go back. <laughs> Watch somebody yeah. else bench 400. And then, um, yeah, you got to well, do actually, it. Actually, I will say it actually is like genuinely pretty helpful to like do visualization. So we talk about playing you know, lots of games to get the reps, uh, make sure, oh. you know, make the mistakes, sort of create those, those neural pathways so that you can make the correct decision in the future. Um, but sort of a counterpoint to that or a point that just – I guess exists alongside this. How important are fundamentals and heuristics and how would you sort of define those in card games? Like how do you get this base knowledge that you can apply over sort of a large swath of game scenarios or situations and then use that to your advantage, right? So you don't have to experience every single matchup. You just have this heuristic or set of heuristics so that you can make the deci- the correct decision more amount more 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 times rather than not. You mind if I uh, take a swing at this one? Yeah, you go for it. I I think that that heuristic is not actually a heuristic. It's an understanding of context. Oh. If like it's like what he was talking about with like knowing what's going on, right? You're not going to be no matter how good you are. If you don't know what's going on, if you don't understand what is happening in the game, it doesn't matter how good your heuristics are. I mean, like it'll matter to a point. But if you are seeing someone play a Thor on turn three. And you don't know what that means. You're at a <laughs> yes. disadvantage. Like, like there's only ah, so much man. you can do heuristic wise. Like you can play well, but if you don't know what shit means when it happens to you, you're going to get rolled. If you see someone play Daredevil Electro and you don't know what that means when they're sitting there in the same lane, you're getting rolled. And so heuristics just give you the ability to interpret that information correctly and then move on from it. But without that information, without that knowledge, I don't think you get anywhere. The context is what matters. And the knowledge that the context is what matters is kind of what being good is. Yeah, that's 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 a very good point. In terms of fundamentals, those those things are things that translate across card games. Like what is what is what does this translate into value wise? What does this translate into um, on the board state as you as you play a thing is is a two two really strong is a two three really strong generally does that is a two two in this game strong or is a three two in this game strong you know like does does it matter it those things will matter based on the game you're playing and like how everything compares to other things in the game but the fundamental of like oh this is a good card oh this is a this is a weak card, you know, and why is it weak? Because it loses to this other card or this matchup. Blah, 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 blah. Those, but that's those context, you, though. Yeah, yeah, you learn those over time, right? But like understanding, like what makes a card good—that's the fundamental. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And using that to kind of guide the rest of your processes is, is something you have to learn over time as you play and like play a lot of card games and, and things and, and see the similarities between each other, each of them, you know, it's cause yes. like Hearthstone and, and legend and, and snap and DC or whatever, they're all going to be different, but they have those fundamentals of like, Oh, this card is good in this game because of this. Right. And yes. being able to identify those quickly, right. Those, mm-hmm. those are what gives you an advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, like to my mind, that is identifying context, right? Like Kitty uh, Pride, why is that strong? Cuz it's really big and goes well with other things that are really big like Hitmonkey. 
what makes Kitty Pride bad? The existence of Wave and Spider-Man and Storm, right? Like, mm. that's what I mean. We talk about, like, understanding context. That's almost exactly what I mean. Like, being able to just look at a game and pick that up. Yep. That, like, to intuit that stuff. That, that's, that's what, like, true masters do, and I am not one of them. Right. Yeah, the, but but f fundamentals don't care about Kitty Pride or whatever. Like, fundamentals is like, oh, you know, Thor is a good card because, oh, this can be a 310 if you have the synergy. You know, what's the likelihood that you hit this? Oh, the, yes. oh it's probably good here. You know, like, Jeff, Jeff, you know, Jeff's a good card because, oh, it, you can go anywhere. There's no, and there's a lot of lockdown in the game. Oh, lockdown's probably common. I guess this is probably a good card. You know, that, yeah. that kind of thing is where you, you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, because of these, this is probably good. Where you don't actually know if Jeff's a good card. You'd be like, oh, Jeff's really bad. Like, two, five, two, three on turn two. Like, <laughs> you need a two, five, otherwise you're sure you trolling. Like, shocker. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but you can think, like, oh, yeah, it sounds like good because of, of these reasons, right? And, fundamentals help give you those like yeah. guiding points mm -hmm. and i think you can do a lot of context by comparison to find powerful cards especially in something like snap you can look at look at sort of quantitative baselines like something like a two five and be like okay that that's obviously a powerful stat line because something like lizards has a severely negative ability on it if your opponent does something right so if i can find a card that equals out to a two five with no downside i've sort of started to formulate a way to, of understanding what value is in this game and what sort of thresholds i need to be hitting to sort of you know break past these quantitative baselines of the game right um something like you could think about in the sarah decks like maximus right like, like a three five is pretty strong right but a three seven is is very very strong comes with a crazy downside draw your opponent two cards well if i played on the last turn it doesn't do that right context by that's comparison. why dagger is amazing like two ten, <laughs> like whoa that's never never see that before Wait, you're being sarcastic <laughs> but i actually like dagger right now <laughs> yeah i mean i'm being sarcastic i actually uh, like dagger i mean like she's not amazing vulture's way better and you wouldn't play her outside of the full move deck probably but like i like I, just having move payoffs they're good I do like Human Torch into Dagger into Doctor Strange. It's like, oh, give me all of them. Yes, it's so cool. Uh, Collins, I want to follow both up. Call, they both have two. It's, uh, it's so well designed. I want to follow up on something when you were talking about your background. Um, a lot of the games you mentioned, you were highlighting a specific aspect of those games. Um, you talked about Yu-Gi-Oh! You were playing on the free site. In in Hearthstone specifically, you liked Arena because uh, there was no sort of pay entry or pay to win, right, right. Battlegrounds, etc. I would, uh, you know, have, it begs the question when you come to Marvel Snap, it's pretty much the antithesis of that. It's the, <laughs> the opposite. So how did you find yourself in this game and how do you reconcile the card acquisition system that you're working with to sort of play Snap? Uh, ain't, ain't that the truth? <laughs> I, I, I was just kind of sucked in, I guess. And I had to come, come with the realization later on that ooh, maybe... Um, it's not inherently fair. Like I love the uh, like the arena, the the draft moding and stuff like that. And I definitely would love for Marvel Snap to really focus on a draft mode. Uh, but it's more like I came to this game because I saw an opportunity. I guess like being number one and like having the YouTube do well and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, there's a place for me here. Let me let me push it, and then you know. I enjoyed the game as as well, right? Like, which is also just generally good. Like, I like the game, so it's a lot easier to like to ignore. Like, oh, you know, maybe this isn't very free. Like, very like everyone gets the same cards uh, kind of game, which you, you normally I do like to focus on. But 
it is it is true that um like someone starting now right it's, it's gonna struggle to beat a person starting like a, a like you know mm-hmm. at the global release or anything like that it, it is true but i do think that marvel snap does have opportunities for people to have an edge so something that did happen was i was playing i started global release right and there's a lot of these beta players right and i i'm playing the game right and it's not like i'm not fighting these beta players but i still ended up being number one like regardless right even though i was fighting people that with thanos galactus didn't have any of those still don't have galactus actually but generally didn't have any of these like very strong options at the time but i was still able to make it work and that that encouraged me i'm like oh you know if you have enough skill you could probably yeah. still do it but i was it, sorry to cut you off nah, i, go I just jumped in there i'm sorry i I, I actually like being cut of off. Beta. You like, okay, sure. I'll be happy to do it. You're on the right podcast if that's Thank what you, you like. So I was number one coming out of the beta uh-huh. and I had like really unlucky card acquisition. And for those who don't remember or know in the beta, the way card acquisition worked was it would get further and further apart. There were no caches, uh-huh. right? And so it was just like, okay, you'd get a card every four, and then you get a card every eight, and then you get a card every 12, and then you get a card every 24, 48, 96. Mm -hmm. And so what that meant was if you didn't high roll in your early part of pool three, you were just like totally screwed. Mm -hmm. So I, for example, I didn't get Sarah until like collection level 2000 something. Yeah, I didn't get death until collection level like 2700. And so what that pushed me towards during this process of the game was I had to play other things. Right. And so I ended up this ended up being like a little bit of a blessing in disguise because it's actually where I got my start in content creation. I made the original destroyer deck and I made the original bounce deck and I posted paste bins of them on my Twitter. And that's what I had to play into like people doing Sarah, but with Ghost Rider that costs three and a uh, Lady Sif that costs two and America Chavez. And that was what they would do as their Sarah payoff back in the day. And so it's like, that's that's like you can get it done. It just is harder by mm-hmm. definition. And mm-hmm. I feel like you actually like I feel like you're understating the disadvantage that you were at, probably because you had <laughs> Zabu Darkhawk. But if uh, that but wasn't initially, the meta, initially then, I didn't. I initially yeah. I didn't, right? So, but like if that wasn't the meta, then I feel like you would have been in a really tough spot if you weren't able to get to that in time. Uh-huh. And I worry that like a lot more people are in that tough spot now. Uh-huh. I I do agree. Like I did get lucky-ish, right? Especially that meta, right? Where I got the dark hawk, right? So that was like, uh-huh. oh my god, you know maybe the best card to have at, at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, the other seasons, I still... I didn't have Darkhawk, right? And I still was able to hit infinite and stuff like that. It, it generally took me a couple of days each time, and then I had to keep going from there. But it, I do think maybe the number wouldn't have been as, as high, right? Like, if I didn't have it. But I could probably still find something to do that could have worked, right? Yeah. And, but I, I do agree, like... Players are getting better. Like, hopefully, it's like not my. I mean, maybe it's my fault <laughs> or, or so. But like, you know, but generally the fault of the guy creators. Players are getting better and figuring out what to do. So it's harder for new players to be able to find something that doesn't get like blown out, right? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like so. So yep. there is that issue. You have to be 
um, able to figure out stuff. And, and I'm good at like figure out deck builds and, and, and ways to like get the biggest advantage if I need to. So um, I was using that to climb, right? Just finding decks that could get 12 cues consistently. Um, mm-hmm. So um, if you don't have like all those skill sets, right, then you, you might struggle even if you're a good player. Uh, especially in the meta, so that that is definitely true. Especially now that if you're if you're starting now and you're fighting into like five thousand, ten thousand k collection level people, you're you're really gonna struggle. So yeah, um, yeah. I think it's important. Like, I, I ran into someone because of the way the new infinite matchmaking works. I ran into someone playing Kazar Zoo. Uh, yeah, yeah, me too. And it's like <laughs> it's like are, are you know. guys serious with I this? Know, I know. <laughs> I almost lost to them, by the way. Shout out to them. I did. I did get there. I would. I would have been so mad if I actually lost to Kazarzu. Like, it's it's just tough because, like, when you look at something like Kazarzu, fundamentally, what it's doing is like mostly a worse version of the bounce game plan. Just lower points. You still lose to Wave, right? Like, you're still. Uh, you're even more vulnerable to Killmonger, and it's just like uh, it sucks. The thing I think that sucks is that a lot of players who are looking to build their collections are put in a position where they have to play a bad version, not necessarily a bad version of a better deck, but a deck that occupies the same metagame space as a better deck, um, but less efficient. Suboptimal. And that's what I feel like is the thing that bothers me the most about the way the current system is set. Mm-hmm. I think. Like Colin said, it isn't inherently fair, um, but I do think it is important, um, even if you're at a disadvantage, to, tr- to try and not let that disadvantage define you, right? Like there is still room for innovation, for deck uh-huh. building, and yeah. uh, to adapt, right? Like it, it it will happen in Snap that if you are not at the highest collection level, that there will, there will likely be a deck that comes out in which you are missing one card. And maybe it's that you just have to sub out one card for a suboptimal choice, or maybe it's something like a high evolutionary where you just, you just don't have that archetypical card. There are there is room in the meta of Marvel Snap to innovate and to deck build to try to limit or make smaller that disadvantage you may have for collection level. And while that is not the end all be all and the answer, I do think that some players fall into the trap of hyper focusing on their disadvantages uh, due to card collection. Yeah, I, I, I will. I will say that the uh, the first season. After passing 600, I think that, um, like, that's when your MMR, like, back then, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but that's when the MMR opens up, you can fight anyone. That was maybe the hardest season I had, right? I just started, didn't have any pull three cards. Why? Like, two or (laughs) or so. And I kind of had to fight people who were playing Thanos, Galactus, uh, those type of deck builds all day and i definitely felt the disadvantage there the most that season i i did i did climb like i did get to infinite but it was noticeably harder than any other time i've ever played before or since and it was just like it 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 did feel frustrating like to lose to thanos every time to lose to galactus yeah. and it's just like i don't have an answer here um, and you know, I had to make my own decks, but it was a noticeable like, uh, like even I was like, uh, like what during that season after that season, right? And I had more tools, and and I think that was like Zabu season stuff like that. Like it, yeah. it, it was a lot better. But that season, I did feel that that new player struggle of like, 
everyone has everything and I have nothing. <laughs> now, and I can climb, but it's a real grind. It's it's a real like I'm I'm doing a lot of effort for a measly cubes. <laughs> everything. <Yeah. laughs> I uh, I've got a I've got a I've got a thought. Right. Uh-huh. I want to I want to get a truth or true true or false from from both of you. Right now, the best thing to do if you are a budget player is to buy high evolutionary. True or false? Uh, if you have um, no series three cards, maybe mm-hmm. Thanos is still better. Uh, huh. But if you have any, if you have Wasp, basically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, then you have you have Wasp and Hulk, and then I then yeah. I say yeah, go go get High Evolutionary. So that, that that that's basically the thought process I have right now. Because like today, the day we're recording, I played a deck on stream that was just like High Evolutionary and like five cards that go with High Evolutionary, and then just like Shang Chi and Rogue mm-hmm. and Wave, yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. just like, oh wait, this is really good. Like, this yeah. is actually just like really good, completely competitive. If you're on a budget, obviously it's not cheap to buy high evolutionary, but it's probably the most cost effective thing you're going to mm, highest EV that you could highest yeah. EV choice yes. in terms of card acquisition. You could had, just buy you, you could say that high EV has high EV. Exactly. Well, would yeah. you, what consideration would you would you would you add into that equation that high evolutionary might not stay at its current power level for the foreseeable future let's say one month timeline would you consider that at all i i i I find it hard to believe that it can ever be that bad honestly the stuff it does they would have to change hulk right in some way yeah what's um if they wanted to changing hulk like even if they change hulk like that just removes like some of the incentives to try to counter high evolutionary you see less luke cage you lean more into the other stuff like Card does a lot of strong stuff, goes well in the mid-range shell, which is why it's ended up in the lane lock decks. It's why it's ended up in these mid-range decks. And you really only need Wasp out of Series 3 in order to make it not like one of the best cards you could possibly have. Do you all think that card acquisition is getting better or worse? Uh, You're opening up the can of worms, aren't you, huh? You're you're Uh, just down for that. Yeah, it's getting worse, bro. It's, It's the flexible series drops. Okay. Here's the take, right? If whatever, okay, let me, okay. I'm trying to walk through this in a way. Just send it, just send it. Okay. (laughs) Whatever it is they're planning, better actually need flexible series drops to have gone down the way that they did. Because my impression is that flexible series drops, like, okay, they say we need flexible series drops to be the way that they are for something that we're doing in the future right Mm. and when you think about what that sentence might mean uh that means they need a bunch of cards in series four and five for reasons cards that people want Mm. right i do not know what those reasons are but they better be good (laughs) that that is basically where i'm at where it's like if you are doing this I get why you would do it if like because the logic is like, OK, why would you do it now instead of later? And the answer is because these cards would be rotating down and we don't want that to happen. Right. They want Darkhawk in Series 4. They want Jeff in Series 5. The only reason why they would do that other than we want more money. Is because it is a necessity for whatever it is they're planning. And 
all I all I would say is it better actually be a necessity because I do not like flexible series drops. All right. Um, I would say if they didn't introduce flexible series drops, and I think the progression is getting better or the acquisition is getting yes. better. Like if you just Agreed. take out that caveat and then Darkhawks and three and then Justin four, yep. like, pff, sure, I, I think it's getting better. And then they're moving things straight into s- series four. Yeah, obviously it's hard to argue that they're not making it better compared to like the original state, but this ability to withhold things in five or four without any communication that really just puts players on edge right players get very used to things like you give them something they get used to it and Mm -hmm. then you try to take it away they hate you forever like (laughs) you're not getting it back on their good graces unless you do something to return that favor so that's essentially what's been done with the series drops and and the no communication has definitely been bad uh they have said stuff to some content creators right and conquerors who posted the messages and stuff but even that doesn't really share like the vision they have so it's hard to like trust it you 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 really as players can only see what you've given what you're given and what you're given isn't necessarily anything that's uh, sparking confidence from what you see you see okay one month they Two of the most popular cards, say in Series Four. Next month, one of the most hyped cards, Jeff. Everyone loves staying in Series Five. Like, and then you know the other is you know which is not Jeff, but like you, they they also matter. Hit Monkey and stuff like that. Uh, also pretty important. So those those are those are what people can just react on. Mm-hmm. And I would say like that kind of thing is making it worse. But my my current issue is that I think the acquisition system is hard to be monetarily valuable long term in terms of that you have to be constantly creating things that people want to play with mm-hmm. uh, every single month there has to be something new that people want to be spending tokens on right if you realize you know what dark hawk no galactus i can win every meta with this like why am i buying this random spider-man 24 move package that i'm gonna play for two weeks and then move on with my like you you have to be making things that people are like that content creators are like you know what guys this is worth spending your heart on tokens on and that's really hard to do like honestly like you you high evolutionary right you can you can play that card for a long time and and be fine uh, Thanos, Galactus, you know, if they don't change at all, you can play those cards for a long time, right? There's like full, you know, Galactus bros and full Thanos people that are just like, I'm still playing Thanos, I don't care. Um, <laughs> and it's it's just hard for Second Dinner to consistently make things that people want to spend. And because of that, like, you're just stuck with this system where... Hey, here's four new cards. We don't want them. Okay, mm-hmm. well, damn. <laughs> you know, if you're second year, it's like, damn. Okay, uh, next next month, here's three new cards. And they're like, I- I'll take this one yeah. for free because I've saved up 10,000 tokens. And next next one, you're just like, uh, okay, they're not buying it. This is the issue, right? Like, there's an inherent, right? yep. no, there's just like an inherent desire. Like that. that's the, the, the situation that creates is like one that leans itself toward the solution being power. Yes. Right? How do you get people to want to buy your stuff well you make it really good 
And yeah. and we don't want that. Neither like neither side wants that. And it's like the potentially the most optimal decision for them to make. I mean, not regarding Fallout and stuff, but we've created a toxic cycle where um, the players don't buy underpowered cards or even just like average power cards when they buy the OP cards because they want an advantage. And it's like I, I, there's not. I don't know if there is really a solution. I I would just wish that we can move the mon- like the heavy monetization of the game away from card acquisition and more towards cosmetics and yeah. sort of quality I of mean, life stuff. Look- you gotta be honest to... with you there. That's not happening, right? Like, <laughs> like mean, what, are, what are we talking about? Fair, Cosmetics? Yes. Yeah. This isn't Fortnite, dude. You don't have the player base for that. Like, it's got. It's got. I remember it's got this came up base. in the beta. This came up in the beta, and it was during the Fuhrer around Nexus events, like in the in the like about a month after, probably. Like someone straight up asked, like, hey, why don't you just monetize off of cosmetics? And the response was basically, we would not be able to be financially solvent. And you know, you could say they're lying whatever right like you could say like oh they're obviously lying because they want to make more money they're rolling in it but i pretty much buy that they would not be financially solvent as a card game monetizing off cosmetics you look at like something like runeterra right like Mm. that game as far as i can tell has never actually made money and only exists because it's hooked up to the riot money hose and second dinner god love them they are not hooked up to a money hose as far as i'm aware Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're not the at least I'm not the person that like cares about cosmetics one bit. Like I still run like the Misty Eye avatar, and sometimes I can't be bothered to switch from that base avatar that they give you for making. You. I just run that because I don't care. I have no yeah. titles, right? And you're like, there's definitely players like me that I don't care about cosmetics. Just like what card is good, give me the good card. That's on playing, and like you know, base base copy of the card. No splits. I don't care. Like it. You don't even. Work? Yeah, you don't even. You're playing like <laughs> right when I saw when I saw your stream earlier. You had like an inkified base Doctor Doom. Yeah, yeah. Like just not even doing anything else about it. Just like base inkified Doctor Doom. No, no, like because boosters quarter. are free. <laughs> boosters <laughs> are free. So I can I can make it inked. Yes, but I'm not. You know, I'm not gonna buy a, a Doctor Doom. No, skin. I, to be clear, I was commenting on like just like it was inkified and that's it that was like the only thing that was cool that was doing anything on there you didn't upgrade the border you didn't do anything it was just inkified base doctor doom it wasn't like no variants nothing it just was there that's all my ink device (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> every single one is like that they're all just base copies of the thing with inkified with no common upgrade the most uh, the most inkified base cards in the game it's hard to know what uh what the future of marvel snap acquisition and the whole ecosystem will look like until they have a i just don't feel like they have a true competitor right now and that's why we mm. we're in this system and it's it, it's very unsure and it changes all the time oh, but dc dual force bro the that is not a streamer beta weekend is tomorrow boys so like you know like <laughs> theoretically this could be the this could be the beginning of whew, whole new things as streamers start to play and, and really see if they want to invest in that so yeah, just yeah. Like, but i i hope it's good I'm not yeah. hopeful, though. Does that I mean, make sense? The card, yeah. I mean, if, card templating, art, and presentation is yep. important, and when they when they miss on that, it makes you really wonder what's what's under the hood as well. Uh, That's actually why I wanted to play Snap. That's not even a joke. One yeah. of the things that like Hearthstone absolutely fucking crushed was yeah. making the, the game visuals. feel good. Visuals, yeah. audio, everything felt good. They crushed it in a way that. Even competitors six years later, MTG Arena still looked worse. Just mm-hmm. was worse. It looked worse <laughs> like in every uh, facet. 
That's and sad, like, but true. It's a hundred percent true. And like when you look at even like uh, Legends of Runeterra, it has a lot of polish but no pop, right? Like uh, it's just dry. Yeah. And it, that is something that like I knew if I were to get into the Marvel Snap beta, I knew it would feel good. Yep. To play it would be well designed. It would look good and play well and feel. I would feel something. I knew that just implicitly from who was making it, and that is something that I think I just don't feel that for Dual Force. Like mm-hmm. I know I like kind of make jokes and all that, rag on them and do like ha ha, but like that's the honest answer. I just don't feel that sizzle, the pop, mm-hmm. and Marvel- it yeah. takes a lot for me to want to play a game that doesn't have. With magic, the thing that it took was deep, deep nostalgia. Mm. And even then, like I still don't I don't play a lot of magic anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's pretty rare in uh especially in this sphere when true innovation comes along. And Marvel Snap definitely pioneered um true innovation when it came to card card presentation, cosmetics, right? I mean, I don't know why it took us ten years to realize that throwing a gold border on the same art is not a fucking cool version of a card it's it's just it's not right the alternate art like this ways to distinguish your cards and make your collection feel unique so that you can empathize it is something that players want and marvel snap absolutely they, killed they it. need they still need animation i'm telling you they, <laughs> they they're dropping the ball imagine if your cards actually animated themselves in a reasonable facet like Come on, you're you you're talking do like so you're talking like Yu-Gi-Oh dual disc style. <laughs> yeah, like just have them moving in the art, you know, like have them yeah. do some animation. Ultimate or, or variants, right? Ultimate variants yeah, should be yeah. that. Why would you spend yeah, five five K tokens on it? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 like you see ultimate variants, you see how much they cost in the token shop, and you're like, I would. Why would I get this if you didn't know anything game. about the game? I Thanos think cool. it's logical to buy one of those and expect it to have a unique animation. Yeah, <laughs> but I it does. That is actually true. If I you did, if that. you just saw the price tag on that, you would expect it to be something other than what it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 Damn. Well, so Collins, I want to ask you some just some more level up questions because conquest mode sort of you know just coming out. What are can you help us being a tournament player yourself? being a great player yourself, number one on leaderboard. As we move into maybe a, a, a more conquest-focused competitive mode, what are, some, what are some key fundamentals to keep in mind when playing that mode? And w- what are some level-ups you can give people and how to be good in that? Maybe people that are used to playing ladder all the time, what's, what are some things to help the transition? Yes, as as a one tournament player myself, you know, <laughs> this has been in literally one Marvel Snap tournament since I started. Uh, but generally, I have played in a lot of tournaments, um, card games tournaments over. So um, for conquests, the so initially I thought you were stuck in the deck that you had to play, but I, I've I've now learned that you can switch decks even even in with the same ticket. So let's say you're using a gold ticket, you win the first yeah. game, you can switch to a different deck and then play. So I thought initially decks like Galactus, you really couldn't play in, in infinite because you have to beat five different decks with a Galactus build. Like that's not gonna happen. A lot of times <laughs> you're gonna fight something that has a good matchup into Galactus, especially if there is any amount of people running Galactus on there. So you you definitely just need a deck i would say that has the ability to surprise so generally when you're playing uh ladder right you you see a card you can kind of figure out okay what are the other 11 cards they play the yandu oh okay they're running all of these cards because yep. they play yandu uh 
And you really do not want that in in Conquest. You want people to see a card and be like, "Oh, they're they're playing this. What what is going on?" Like Claw. Let me tell you about Claw. <laughs> you know, that's oh a my card God. <laughs> you want to be playing in Conquest because those cards can get you eight cubes. And if you can win an eight cube game in Conquest, you've won, mm-hmm. right? I and have the- never played around a Claw. In my entire life, uh, I you, never will. You, you should. <laughs> I, will, I will never say, do you know, it. Someone's playing an ongoing deck, like maybe, like oh, maybe. Claw oh, I know, no, sure, an ongoing. <laughs> I have never played around just a like random, the random claw. claw. Okay, yeah, that's I've never <laughs> done it. It is like consistently me back in the beta. Me and Jerry Thompson would play a lot of games together. Uh-huh. Claw was the number one card we would always forget about and lose to. Uh-huh. Like every single time it was just like okay we're playing around every single card here we're good and then claw shows up and we're like oh my god we forgot to play around the claw yeah so so that type of card can really mess with you scarlet which is a card i like a lot right that can really win you a game when you're a cube game where like oh what can what can win me this location oh scarlet which can do that claw can do that omega red was a card i used to use that could win me uh, random games you you want to set yourself up where your opponent is confident in your board state and then you can hit them with oh you know this is actually a ton of things now you can do that by last turn playing a ton of cards you can do that by last turn playing a surprising card you can do that by last turn messing with their cards in some way right so like valkyrie could be something where they're like oh nothing beats me and then they're like oh valkyrie hit two two twelve 12 power cards. I guess I forgot about that. Uh, so you you want you don't want to have a deck that's predictably qu- quickly, right? Because you're going to be playing multiple games. If they can predict your deck list, like, oh, these are the 12 cards you're going to be playing. It's going to be very easy for them to leave in the right moments and then stay in the in the right moments. So like something like you're playing a Lockjaw deck that doesn't have like any tricks to it, and you don't play Lockjaw in three, and then they snap you. And you're just like, I, I guess I have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> they know they know what i'm doing like that that also happened um like in zaba meta right where someone oh. someone would snap and then play the zaba <laughs> and yeah. then it's like oh i guess they won <laughs> it's, like, it's not correct to snap and then play the zabu because they could also be playing zabu, playing the zabu. Yeah, is yeah, correct yeah. you you play the zabu and then if they don't they, they don't play a they, zabu yeah yeah right and, <laughs> and you don't want to be put in those situations in con because you want to make sure that you have something to do that you can always think about it so flexible decks also something i i like a lot like that dark hog that zabu dark hog death random lot like that's that's like a toolbox deck where I have a lot of options, a lot of matchups where, okay, they're running this, I've got a Green Goblin. They're running this, I've got a Death. They're running this, I've got a Shang-Chi. They're running this, i got an Enchantress, right? So a lot of decks, I have matchups. I've got a Killmonger if they're playing Thanos. You know, blah, blah, blah. So those type of decks are pretty powerful because they work decently well in a lot of matchups. They're, they're harder to pilot the downside where you have to be knowing what your win conditions are in a lot of matchups. You have to know, okay, this matchup, I need to make sure my Killmonger is going less. I need to not have priority. I need to make sure I'm focusing in this aspect of the game. And that's that's what matters. The rest of it is like filler, but really making sure that I got my Killmonger and it's set up in a way that it always triggers and kills their nebula and blah, blah, blah. You know, those, those are the things that matter. So you do need to have a large knowledge of the game and a large knowledge of the metagame to really 
be good with those type of decks, but those are the ones that you can really just say, I'm running these all five in, in, in infinite queue and I'll, I'll win every matchup or, mm-hmm. or, blah, 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 or at least I'll have a chance, right? So, um, you know, Galactus like doesn't really do that where it's like, oh, they're playing Patriot. They have debris on three every time. <laughs> Not fun for you, right? So it's, it, it can be hard, but there's definitely a lot of decks that, that can uh, do well in Conquest mode as long as you're aware of it. I want to ask you about a ter- uh, game one strategy in Conquest mode. Would you ever consider game one um, completely unknown deckless, unknown opponent? Would you ever play out minimal cards and with with the intention of sacrificing the cube in order to get information on your opponent's deck, asymmetric information where you get more information than they do on game one? Uh, not necessarily. I wouldn't like lose the game, mm-hmm. but I would um, maybe hold my key piece like mm-hmm. you know i i wouldn't play my claw essentially on on the first game because that's that's the a cuber card you know like i'm not yep. you don't know i have a claw until you're losing a cues <laughs> you know what i mean so they, i'm not gonna like win a game because well i might like I, i'm this is like high level stuff where like i'm like very confident conquest when i've played a lot and like oh yeah like i'm not gonna be giving you my claw information turn one that kind of thing but um generally you know i'm still going to try to win but i do it's good to read the opponent so it can like it can not make sense to snap the first you know maybe two games if you're trying to be careful now if if you want to go like aggressive style in conquest and just say i'm snapping turn one every game i think you could do that in the proving grounds like proving grounds turn one Mm -hmm. snap like you have infinite tickets like yeah just make those games quick give me if i win or lose i'm getting the tickets right but and so I mean, far, I th- even i think we can start proving grounds communism where everyone <laughs> snaps on turn one and we just we just like we just farm them that's <laughs> actually not a bad idea it's a good actually. idea right that's, like we, yeah, i think we can fair. get this going because there's not a lot of downside so you get there's the no downside yeah you there's just, no you snap on turn one and you just go I can see that actually, yeah, yeah. Silver mode, a little bit, but I can also see that once you get into gold, like then we're then we're serious more. Like no, no communism here. <laughs> I want my wins, but definitely the first one has no fee. So the more people, the more games you play, the more tickets are going to be in the pool for people to use. So having them go quickly is actually pretty powerful. So that's that's definitely true. I I do think that proving grounds ticket system is pretty generous right like you can just play it and, and like get a lot of of tickets but the real like the real aspect of conquest mode comes once you're in gold i think once once you really have to win three in a row then you're really like oh is is my decisions correct does, does this matter da, 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 da. then you really have to make sure you are using your resources correctly the knowledge that you're withholding for your opponent and the knowledge that you're going to use to, you know, get those cube wins or, or just outplay your opponent generally. Those are more important. But definitely the earlier stages with the, with the free tickets or the silver tickets, those you can definitely be a little bit less um, specific or a less, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Try hard. Yeah, you, you can just kind of casual it and still do well mm. in, in essence. It's really it's really when when you your lives are on the line, you have to win three in a row or more that you really have to make sure that, that the decisions you're making are correct. Yeah. I have a question for both of you. Um and 
current modern Marvel Snap, <clears throat> what's the biggest difference between a good player and a great player? Whether or not they're named Cam best. <laughs> what about Ooh, Cam Worst? Does, he, does no, he get in there? Uh, uh, the snap timing, a good player I guess. And a great player? Yeah, it's snapping, right? Like, that's actually what it is. My okay. snapping is the weakest part of my game. So I would say it's probably mm. snapping, snap timing, knowing when to snap. And, I mean, part of it is just being a streamer where, like, you're just... It, for doing content, you're hugely incentivized not to snap super winnable games so you can actually show them in your YouTube or whatever. Or at least I feel that. I, you probably don't. My read on you is you probably don't feel that. But like uh, I've I I like I was too used to uh bot meta where I'm just like I I just snap on pilot. <laughs> you just wait for them to snap. <laughs> oh man. Uh but but like yeah, there's so like there's some of that. I also think I'll tell you what separates I think it's performance under pressure. I would that, say That's tournament players. Those those are Well, yeah, but it's going to be in conquest too. Oh. Like when you're at that four zero, and you yeah, only yeah, have sure. one game okay. left, <laughs> that's the, are that's you the gonna highest, be? Are you that's gonna the highest be pressure? Thinking, <laughs> yeah, like are you gonna be thinking, "Oh my god, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening to me." When you queue into a bad matchup, or are you gonna be playing it right? Mm. Like that. That's that's what I think the biggest difference between a good player and a great player is. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it, at least at this point, snap. I like the snap timing. When we talked with Lambie, I mean, Lambie is Lambie's a really good example for for correct snap timing. Um, but so as soon as you perceive, well, Lambie's, it, I think if you ask Lambie, he would say he's actually like more aggressive than most. So yeah, but I will, I, I will I do throw that out there. It, a lot, we talked about this already earlier in the pod, uh, the podcast, but understanding what your opponent's deck can do, because in Conquest you have a larger sample size of games, and understanding what your deck is trying to do, what your game plan is to win the game. And snapping when you perceive advantage via your hand early in the game, and when you perceive disadvantage in your opponent's hand. You talked about it with Lockjaw, right? You know your opponent's on a Lockjaw, jack, uh, lockjaw deck, no Lockjaw on three, and you have a reason, reasonably playable hand. Maybe you should snap, right? These are this is This is not the, okay... We're on turn. We're on the last turn of the game. Uh, it looks like I'm winning the game. Snap, right? Uh, we call it the boomer snap as a meme, but it's a real thing. And we, when we talk to Lambie, who plays a lot of Thanos, turn one Mindstone, snap. <laughs> you know, snap in a vacuum with turn one Mindstone was something that he did. Obviously, it changes in context after you play the opponent. You see their deck, and you maybe know what threats you're facing later. Well, in the I game. mean, back in Thanos Lockjaw, like that was broken. Like yeah. turn one Mindstone was like not fair. So I understand that. Uh, that in in terms of snap, I do sometimes get people talking about like, oh, I didn't know if I should snap here or not, da da da. But you know, I wasn't sure, and and, and I'm just thinking, no, no, no. There's like you have to snap here. <laughs> there's there's no argument. You this is the right turn to snap, and there's there's nothing to talk about. But um, some people like don't really think about it like that, where mm. there's a correct time to snap. Uh, and an incorrect time to snap and and some people are like oh no i'm just wagering extra da, 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 da. but the someone not snapping can tell you information like that that's maybe something that some players don't understand like if you're playing into a matchup and and they're not snapping you here and you're just like why aren't they snapping me like what like i'm thinking what's going on in their hand that they're not snapping me like it it, it makes me think about stuff because they're not doing anything Right, and I, I don't know if a lot of people are doing that. Where they, you, like your opponent does nothing, right? Where like one player might not be thinking about anything, 
Other player might be like just like thinking about their own game. And I'm thinking, why aren't they snapping me here? What's going on in their deck? Like, I'm just like, you know, and that, that's that's something you have to be adding into your gameplay because there is information in what they're not doing. Snapping mm -hmm. is a tool that you can you can abuse and then you can also learn from their actions of, of whether they're snapping you here or they're not snapping you here. Like, I, I really don't like that. If your opponent snaps and you've already ended your turn, you can't like unend your turn and start. Yeah. Oh my god, dude! This yeah. is this is you, it's a good thing you you are on the right podcast. I have complained about this since forever. Before there were even tournaments. Before I think I complained about this. It, like I want to say when, I've been complaining about this since like the first episode. Yeah, of the like when Daryl was a dead. Like we were playing like, Death like, Wave. Like the fact unironically that you can't, that you are in sent in a game built around. Going fast. Going fast. It's literally yeah. part Marvel Snap. <laughs> the optimal play is to go as slow forever. as possible. It's <laughs> the stupidest shit on earth. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a battle I, mode and I've been I had a friend that was playing playing with me or just watching us streaming to them and I'm like, I'm not so sure how I'll be feeling right now. So, okay, I'm gonna wait till the end of the turn. I'm gonna snap them for the last second. <laughs> it's like yep. I'm just gonna put them in a battle. I, I want to highlight something you said, which is you have to snap and. I think a lot of people will hear that and they don't think about snapping that way as in like you have to. There's a trap of, fa of falling into snapping when you're close to 100% to win a game. And I think mm. that you need to understand when your deck is doing its thing, right? And you have to snap. If you perceive your opponent's deck maybe having a clunky start, not doing the most powerful thing it can, and you see you know, your turns lay out over the, uh, over the next couple of turns and your deck is doing the most powerful thing it can, you don't have a choice. Even if you have a 30% <laughs> or something to lose, you have to snap. Because if you're not snapping yeah. those hands, you're snapping no hands. And That's if you're snapping no hands, why are you playing that deck you're that is exactly true so in that in the tournament i played there was multiple times i go into this matchup thinking their deck is way better than mine what am i doing <laughs> this little yellow jacket random death i can you know, barely play it in a lot of scenarios i can't really win if i play normal so what i have to do is if they give me any advantage i'm taking it. i'm snapping into any advantage even if i'm not favored because if i play it normally I won't ever win. <laughs> they will always yeah. find a better scenario for me. So I when won some When you are disadvantaged, games, so. when you yeah. are disadvantaged, increase the variance. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When this you have an advantage, in, you decrease the variance. <laughs> Basic, like, like, when, like this is this is this is classic. If you're worse, you want more random outcomes mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. they're gonna enable you to overcome your bad matchups. If you're better, you want less. Yes. Yeah. Yes. For sure. And. You you just have to take like know your matchups as well. Like I go in like oh their deck should beat my deck, so I'm not going to play it normal. I I'm any any variance that's bad for them, I'm gonna pressure them. Maybe they leave right. Like they, there's always that fear of like maybe they don't want to play for double cubes. They might just leave, and I get that extra free cubes. I I must have won like you know four eight cubes. Like not not like an eight cuber, but like over the course of the the round like i got extra four cues from just being aggressively snapping into like slightly disadvantaged scenarios for them and you have to do it in the right window essentially so if you snap on one right and your opponent doesn't leave on one they always get to play till turn six mm -hmm. they all they always get to play the see the rest of the matchup and then figure out there now if they stay on one right and you were strong on two and three 
well then like who cares like they're just gonna play till six and then oh they hit the nuts on six you lose now if you snap on one you lose if you snap on two or three where you have that advantage they actually might leave then and you can actually get those cubes so by snapping in that right time where you are very strong and maybe their hands awkward they're like "Ooh, do i want to play into this that's when you can actually get those wins you snap on four they recover right then you snap there, psst, like I'm gonna win you now. Like I see my hand, like, and then they just you you they might snap back right on four instead of so instead of losing the instead of losing four if you played a normal or two you might just lose four because you snap too too late when they know more of the situation. So if you want people to like not counter snap you right, like you got to do it earlier before all the information mm-hmm. in the game. If you want people to just stay, you got to do it early. So uh, like turn one snap, turn two snap. That's where you can get people playing it out for two, right? Turn three snap. That's like maybe the like the the best window where like people have enough knowledge, but maybe not enough knowledge to know exactly how the game's gonna turn out. But enough knowledge to like stick it in and feel like oh, there's a chance here. So you might actually get games ending if you if you have like a turn three snap, turn four, turn five snap. People usually have enough of a read of like knowing the next more the ne- the rest of the turns that they either leave or or stay essentially. Like you know if you're snapping turn five and like. Like a lot of times people just leave because they know mm-hmm. oh, turn six. You yeah. turn, yeah. So there are windows where you have the best chance to, to win. There's windows where you have the best chance for people to stay and play it out. There's windows where you have the best chance to have someone just leave in response to a snap. So there's, there's all that snapping metagame that is not really talked about, but is there for like higher level players that are like aware generally maybe not intimately where they can write a like a, a paragraph or a book about it but it's it's there in the back of their minds after mm-hmm. playing all these games that they they do it autopilot and you do need practice for that but you players you know over time especially with conquest mode coming out they're going to get better at that yeah there's two things one is mm-hmm. that i think i've seen a couple of players come up from other card games and they fell into the trap where they were just like i'm going to snap turn one every game because i'm better than my opponents and when you snap on turn yeah. one and it's 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 a, a trap. trap it's a trap because <laughs> if you sure? snap on turn one completely agnostic of any information you just give your opponent 100% of the agency. And there's really uh, no reason to do that with no information. If you were I mean, actually... How much better than you are then? Or how much better than, <laughs> than them are? Right? Like, uh, there's a point at which that extra agency there doesn't probably matter, is a point. speeding yes, up the climb I, is fine. Yeah, there's a point at the limit where I guess, yes, it, it, it might be optimal, but I still... I, I think this snapping on turn one, you just give your opponent so much agency to drag you into a game and snap you back and take... They have. They can see you to turn six. They can see, take cubes whenever they I, want. I, I kind of did that a little bit uh, earlier, but it wasn't snapping turn one. I felt like that was too um, risky. But if I felt just like uh, I'm just gonna win, I'd snap probably on two, uh, because at least with two, I see two locations. <laughs> so mm. so uh, I just instead of like being RNG screwed by the next two locations coming out. At least I, I I only have that one chance of getting RNG yeah. screwed because There's the, the problem the chance yeah yeah the it's the problem uh, the problem of snapping on turn three is that like if they're a good player they have all the information really like um they have a well not all but they have a very mm-hmm. they have a very large amount of information once you see all three locations so if if you're so confident in your deck that your hand's really good and you snap on turn three and like let's say you're playing like uh zabu into Miss infinite or not infinite but mr negative right and you snap on turn three like a lot of times 
that you play Zabu, you snap, and it's like, ah, I'm, I've seen enough, right? <laughs> like, they, they Zabu into something, like, maybe it's Iron Lad, maybe it's negative, but uh, I've seen enough, right? Where if you snap on turn two, like, you don't, you haven't played the Zabu yet, right? There's a lot of, like, hidden information in that second turn that can really telegraph, like, sometimes Daredevil or, or blah, blah, blah. There's there's a lot that can come out before you you telegraph enough information. And, and some, a lot of times it's not, like, second turn snap, but probably, like, first card played, snap i would say like before you play your first card then some good players can know where you're running with that f- just first card you play right so mm-hmm. if you want to for them to stay you 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 can't telegraph oh you know i've played um an angela like you know like that's i played angela on two and then i snap like that might be enough like looking at their deck and be like oh they're playing this an Angelus is like maybe these like three deck lists. Oh, I match up. Yeah, it's into like, like, do that. I have the wave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's too asking. much, right? So you might yeah. want to just snap before you even tell them that first card, and and that's the kind of thing I would do. Like it, it's 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 maybe like I'm better than them. Like oh, I'm not like I'll just do it first card. <laughs> you know, the the weird stuff is like I've played nothing for four turns and then I snap. <laughs> And I'm just and and I just imagine they're like, what they the hell did you do it? <laughs> you know, but I'm just like, oh, I, I I see the lines. Like, <laughs> uh. so, oh, okay. While we're here, there's something I wanted to bring up, but I didn't have the time, and I wanted to follow back on it at some point. This was the you were talking about the power creep of mm-hmm. um, what second dinner would have to do is they'd have to power creep and um, they don't want to do that. Players don't want to have that. It it was definitely something. I think is an issue because they have introduced very powerful cards. Mm-hmm. And what happens is the, the, the whales essentially they get to play with the powerful cards and then it trickles down to series mm-hmm. three and then boom, it gets nerfed. Right. And like, that is something that will continue to happen with their current structure. If they were to create very strong cards, because it, people will play with them, right? If the cards are strong, people will play with them, but then, they will then get the information to balance it. Mm-hmm. But by the time they balance it, that's when everyone gets the player. That's when it drops down people, you know, series three. So their system does not really encourage that behavior because that, that kind of system is only going to make people mad. Yeah. Like, Oh, here's a, here's an overpowered card. Hey, Wills, get play with it. Have some fun, you know, break the meta, ha- destroy everyone else, you know? And then, you know, as the, the new players are like, oh my God, that card's really strong. I really want to play with it. It's like, mm, that card's too strong. Let's balance. Let's break it down. Let's, let's make it balanced. And then it's like, here you go. Have, have some pittance. Have a, have a little bit of crumbs of this, this deck that, that used to be broken, but now it's very, very balanced to quote unquote or, you know, arguably unplayable. So, that that kind of thing is like where power creeping this game because of the acquisition system is just like not in a way that players will appreciate or or mm-hmm. work like usually when um like an expansion comes out in other card games everyone like really gets to play with it right like it's, oh everyone here's an expansion here's all this, the broken stuff every all together in the same rarities maybe like the broken card is a higher rarity than mm-hmm. others right but you can still get it right or you can you use your resources to buy it directly blah 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 right here it's like oh you know here's a broken card ah i mean six thousand tokens <laughs> yeah i don't have six thousand tokens well some people do yeah. <laughs> so they get to play with it so it, it it's hard to really have a system where there's cards people want to play and it's balanced and 
the power creep isn't just destroying like how people feel about that game over time so it's a hard it's a hard um thing to balance that's why like when i talked about this flexible series drop i didn't have a solution because they they've put themselves with this acquisition model in a hole especially because they've given everyone lots of tokens right they they changed it where it used to be only um people that completed series three had a lot of tokens mm-hmm. and they're like oh yeah you know the everything now everyone really has like a reasonable amount of token generation so you you can't take that back. Like there's no way you can be like, you know what? Too much tokens. Let's let's dial it back. Maybe we'll cut it by half. You know, maybe you know, they can't do that. I mean, so you can, but only if you give ridiculous actual card compensation, right? Like the <laughs> oh, like like the tokens are only a vehicle for getting stuff, right? Mm. So like if they make it easier to get stuff outside of the token shop, then yeah, I can understand that they might like t- tone down tokens. But mm. like mm. right now, the issue is the token shop is the primary method of acquiring cards. Yeah, and that it, sucks. It is is the goal? Uh, is their goal as well to make those cards easier to acquire? Right? Because oh. when we talk about solutions. A lot of times that's baked into our solutions is you're assuming that there is a desire for people to be able to acquire more cards bet like in a better way, but isn't the number one criteria we have to meet is to make, make more money. Yeah. That, that's another thing. Like um, if you were to cut out the token shop, you would get a series five card every 10 months. One series. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I have 12,000 collection level. I've never opened Every 10 months, you'd get one Series 5 card. Like, that is not feasible. So, yeah. you've made the only, uh, like, vehicle for acquiring, like, expensive cards, the token shop. So, so because of that, people have to make sure that they're they're buying good cards you yeah. can't just waste three thousand tokens on a whoopee whoopsie like you can't can't do that you have to make sure those, those tokens that you're those cards that you're getting make sense are worth the value cards you're going to be using for a while so um it's just there's not a great solution in, mm-hmm. in that avenue of like oh yeah let's just balance this in the in a, in a meaningful way and everyone will be happy like it's yeah it's it's a, degen- it's a degenerate model and there's a, there's a degenerate relationship. I think the players also have cognitive dissonance around the, the Series 5 card, right? Like Series 5 cards come out that are not busted, not super powerful. We don't buy them. Like you're right, because no. we, we, can't, we can't use our resources like that. We can't. It's our money and we're saving up. But we also don't want only powerful Series 5 cards because <laughs> the card, then the game gets power crept. Yeah. And... We like you said with the data as well. Series five comes out. Whales get access to it. They have a smaller sample size. They don't nerf it. Then it goes down to series three, and everybody plays with it. And now they have massive data on it. Like this card's too powerful, and they nerf it. I'm not sure if that's exactly the methodology that goes into when they nerf these cards in series. You're talking about Shuri, right? I can tell you that I'm pretty sure what actually happened there was like basically there were two months where a nerf to Shuri would have been appropriate, right? The first one was the first month after they nerfed Thanos, or Uh you probably could have nerfed her when you nerfed Thanos and said publicly that Thanos was Shuri's only bad matchup. But like, hey, what do I know on the balance team? But like that month, the next month, when instead of nerfing her, they hit like Red Skull or whatever, Mm -hmm. that basically guaranteed that she was going to be nerfed the second she hit series three, because it just 
once that happened, one, they, like that one whiff had that knock-on effect, right? One whiff in their balance cycle can result in something like that, which I genuinely do believe was just like a tragedy of optics, right? They definitely whiffed the balance on that mistake. But I don't think they were like, all right, well, sure, he's going down to series three. It's time to nerf her, guys. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I don't I don't think that it's just like the way their the balance is designed and how they get their data. Mm-hmm. Like by the time they have enough and then they're willing to, you know, make yes. a change and then post it. Right. Like time has passed enough that there's a good chance it's going to drop down and and. It just looks bad. It looks <laughs> I, I terrible. Mean, there's, like, like, there's a lot of stuff that they're not intentionally trying to make look bad, but when you do it, it just yes. looks bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, this is my big argument. People always find malice in it, and I genuinely don't think there is a lot, yeah. right? Like, I have this conversation a lot on my, um, on my stream where it's just like, well, they did this. How do you not think that, that like, that's on purpose? It's like, because it probably isn't. They're probably just unlucky or stupid or... <laughs> The analogy I talk about is like, I work my job, look at the job you do and tell me you give 100% all the time. I have fast so many aspects of my job. I really hope they're not listening to this, but like, I, I am not always giving 100%. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, I, and game I, dev, I it feels like, it feels like, oh my God, I do not know how you do it, right? Like, if, if you make one mistake, if you get a little bit behind, suddenly people are going to be accusing you of explicitly favoring people who bought a card over free-to-play players mm. for six months. That Shuri stink is never going away because it will always be true that they nerfed Shuri when she hit Series 3. Whether or not it was an accident or not, and I truly, 100%, I believe it genuinely was, yeah. People are always going to have that talking point, and that sucks. And there are a bunch of situations in Marvel Snap where I don't think there was any malice. And it what it does is provide people who think your game is like rigged against free-to-play players ammunition that doesn't need to be provided. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's just like there's also just some things that, you know, they're working on, but they maybe forget or, or do it inaccurate. Like you know, <laughs> things in the back of my mind. But we're not yeah. we're not here blasting um, generally. But it, it's it's just a, a difficult position they're in for now. Hopefully, what they're working on does succeed. Right? I'm definitely hoping the best for them. But yeah, you know, uh, you know, just yeah. We like, only I guess, look I guess at my pitch is like we as human beings are generally deeply flawed and pretty stupid. Mm. Like, I, I don't know if you share Thank this perspective. You. Appreciate but, it. Yeah. But I got that for you. <laughs> but like, I, uh, when I think about like all the mistakes I make on stream, right? And like, I'm supposed to be good at this game. <laughs> Every misplay in the world, right? Like, I'm supposed to be good at this game and I actually am good at this game. That's and it's like, funny. yeah, you still, you still mess up, right? Yeah, like that, right. that's, that's the state of being human is that you mess up. That's mm. what it is to be mm. human. And so I have a ton of sympathy for this, right? Like my ideology here is rooted in like the basic compassion for this. It's why I often assume, you know, like this just happened. Yeah. I don't think they're like evil. I just assume like it's rooted in compassion, right? Because think- I've been like, it's like someone looking at me making a misplay and being like, well, that guy sucks. And it's like, well, I mean, kind of, but like probably not to that degree. I would say, I think that you can, you can make up for incompetence with transparency and integrity Mm. and i don't Mm. think that we've gotten that 100 percent. and if they were able to tell Uh. us 
and be like, just be a bit more transparent. Let us into the process because we're sitting here and we're the ones that are getting put through it and it's taxing our wallets and our gameplay experience. And we don't have, we don't have to witch hunt. We don't have to speculate on these series drops or, you know, something getting nerfed in, in three. Cause it's, it likely is incompetence. It usually is that that's just how things work. But I think that I they think could incompetence might even be like a strong word for it. Yeah, it could like, be. Honestly. But I think that they could they could do a lot by being more transparent and more and See, more vocal. The, the 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 issue with transparency is like if they they were transparent, it's like, well, this makes us more money. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. You like, you really I also just think the issue is that, like, like how many people are actually reachable, right? Like there are a mm. lot of people who just aren't reachable and will not be happy. Mm. That's and fair. That's also fair. like when you talk about being transparent to win people over. I always wonder about this. Like, I think there are situations where that would have helped. I think mm, telling yeah. people Darkhawk wasn't going to drop in advance would have been very helpful. Would have been helpful. I think. Yeah. I think that's like one of those few situations where it's like, you know, you actually could have communicated this better, and it would have really mm. mattered. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think kind of the rest of it. Where it's like, no, the issue isn't that they didn't communicate it. The issue is that the thing they're doing is bad until proven otherwise. Like that, like the re like the most recent flexible series drops, right? Until we know what they're working on, it's bad, and they obviously can't tell us what they're working on. Very straightforward situation. I'm they're not stupid. They knew that going in. Like they knew what the reaction would be to doing what they're doing, and they said, okay, it's worth it for reasons X, Y, and Z, and we can only speculate on what those reasons are money and I, I i guess i just think that like you talk about like easier communication i don't think there's a way to communicate better about we're not dropping jeff and hit monkey but we are dropping snow snow guard well like, these charts players want to buy so we want to make sure that they're spending their resources on it and just not waiting till they become free sorry but right. we need money and we need some of you guys to buy some of these cards so that we can you know function another day so i know you're not liking jeff staying on series five for a couple extra months but we just need to pressure you guys a little bit harder because it it feels like we're not pressuring you guys enough to buy the cards that we want i'm sorry that you don't like this decision but we've looked at the data this will get us more revenue for our shareholders have a nice even day. outside of that context <laughs> even outside of the revenue for shareholders context i don't know if they're a public company actually yeah, they're not. Sure i know they're but not. like this is the but thing like, people left saying but like but like <laughs> like even outside of the basic sort of context of like capitalism demands growth right, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. like communicating something like that i mean I, I think you could easily phrase that in more reasonable terms which is like hey guys uh nobody's buying anything in the token shop and we're really trying to fix that mm. and this is our first step towards a solution to the fact that nobody buys anything in the token shop and there so will be other parts to this Right. And it's like and they're like all they would have to say is like that and then there will be other parts to the solution and they will benefit you materially. Like just tell us like hey, something that comes along with this will help you. This is not just this it's more than this uh, but I don't, I don't even uh, okay, know if they can say that. Another thing that does happen is sometimes they will talk about 
negative things that they're doing in a positive light and <laughs> that bothers me a lot like hey hey we're gonna we're fixing this and like no you're not this is where it's we're, we're not <laughs> like, dropping this so that people don't have to play against it and you can have unique collections yeah 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 the meta's balanced so you don't get to play dark you don't get dark out for free because like, the meta's just like balanced. a ridiculous thing on its face right like <laughs> I'm not <laughs> dropping this to that keep the, hurt. Meta, the, the meta more balanced. Like, yeah. that's, and some that's months not real. we're just not going to drop anything because that's we want not the real. Like, <laughs> so, so that's that's, that's the integrity piece, thing. right? Where that, that's the piece where it's like. <laughs> Please don't do that. Like you can tell yeah, us you're working. Do not do that. Do not mention the phrase some months we may never drop <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah. Take that out of your copy. We can um like they can tell us, hey, we're fixing it, we're working on it, stand by, and we're standing by. Like, but please don't say stuff well, like we're that. Sitting. Because when you yeah, when you when they say stuff like that and they try to paint something that is extremely negative in a positive light, it just feels like they're scamming us and they think we're idiots. Cause it's yeah. like that that's not real. <laughs> it's just like that's not a real thing. We we know that's a lie. Um, and I think that's that's those 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 points are the key missteps that they've made is when they've they've sort of treated their audience like that because uh, yeah, it just feels disingenuous. I, I I think once again I am somehow in the position where I read more good faith into Second Dinner than everyone else on this podcast. <laughs> but like I have good faith. I just I, I have to critique that. I just one. think it's. My here here's my basic read, which is they are trying really hard to make this thing sustainable. Yeah. But because Nexus events flopped and they were the original plan for the game, they have effectively been backdooring the economy during the game's existence. Yeah. So the fact that Nexus events flopped, they had to take it all the way back to the design phase, design an entirely new economy. And then now they're seeing the problems with that economy. Like, I would... The fact that the game launched on the expected launch date, despite the fact that the economy was just like, we took it apart. Yeah. The whole thing it was based on was and just there's hardly any features entirely. in the game. Like, I mean, we've, we've talked like, this before. It feels like launched you're playing on an the alpha. Launch date. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, it feels like they're paying back that debt yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they launched it at that time, now they're in a position where their live game does not have an economy that they're happy with. Yep. And that is, I think, mostly due to the token shop, right? Like the token shop system is set up such that people are going to try to hyper optimize for it. And that means not buying stuff that is bad. So one way to solve that would be to release more exciting cards. Another way to solve that would be to incentivize people to go and get these cards and they they, they announce those like those quests right that's one way of creating like additional churn it's like a rebate for buying the card right you get a little bit of your stuff back people were mad at that they were stupid for that that's actually like a pretty decent idea to if you if, if you assume that the problems are people do not want to buy cards then i think that you need to figure out okay how do we make people buy cards a rebate is like the world's most the world's oldest sales tactic and gamers reacted to it like it was like the most manipulative thing on earth. Well, I, I think they don't like it because it's like, oh, the people that are already buying cards are just getting the benefit. Where if you know, I don't have tokens, I'm not That's getting anything. Everything, if like every change to make the shop more accessible is only benefiting me more than it is you. <laughs> like I don't care that Darkhawk didn't downgrade. I have him. And I, I'm also getting the benefits of flexible series drops in that these cards are going to cost 3000 for me 
just like they're going to cost 3000 for you. Mm-hmm. Every one of these changes that they make to increase accessibility actually disproportionately benefits the whales because the things that they take away are things that we already have. I have this. I I have Jeff. I have Hitmonkey. I have all this stuff. I don't suffer from this. I benefit because I get Spider-Ham in 2099 for 3,000 tokens and in my Series 4 boxes instead of actually paying 6,000 for them. And I think that's the thing about flexible series drops that really sticks with me is like, hey, they probably shouldn't have made a system that actually only helps the people that are already ahead. <laughs> that but seems that's bad. That's hard. That's hard, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like in terms of the I mean, whales will always find a way to like make take advantage of any system you add in there. Like that's their that's their whole design. Like, oh, you you've made this better. Well, I'll just you know take a little bit off the top. Like, you know, it's just gonna get a little piece here. I'll be first first mover advantage. Like that's the whales every time. Yeah, so yeah. It's but, it's hard for them not to get a benefit. That's just the, no, I, I think I, that's I the could... nature of the beast, though. Like that's something we have to contend with. It's all about mitigating that advantage and the disproportionate disadvantage to the players that that aren't deploying that capital. Right? It's it's bridging the gap because it's just going to happen. It's a for-profit company. It's a game that wants to make money. The people who spend money are going to have some sort of advantage. What? Not if it's a literal competitive advantage, but some sort of efficiency advantage. They don't have to spend an amount of time, etc. That's how these games work. But I think the main complaint with Marvel Snap is that. The gap feels too big right now. It feels huge, massive, gargantuan, like <laughs> too much to deal with. So we just have to minimize that and bring people closer together and realize that the reason why this game is good is because it's a card game and card games are supposed to be relatively balanced and we want to be on a relatively equal playing field and we don't want a game that's pay to win. So just take us. Uh, yeah, I don't want to win because I own cards. No, we don't. Like, but I want to win because I'm better than you. I can guarantee all of the spending, all of the spending data points to the opposite. That people just want to pay to win, and it's it's not the case, right? There become there's a critical maximum that's reached when a game actually becomes pay to win, and people stop playing it. But there is some sort of dopaminergic activity when people buy a card and they have access to it, and they're dunking on people, and other people don't. And on the opposite end, when you yeah, winning when, feels good, when you lose to a card that you don't have, it feels terrible. Terrible. Yeah, losing feels bad. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta. Fix. I honestly think that like so much of analysis of like this stuff could just be split into that. Like yeah, people right, are though. mad when they lose, and then they're happy when they win. Yeah, but the so, the solution the solution to that to that issue, which a lot of people have tried to solve in modern gaming, is exactly what has killed gaming, which is trying to reduce any sort of negative feelings that can happen from competition in a competitive PvP based game. So, like, I don't know. At this point, we're going down a rabbit hole. I, for I sure. do think. I do think that Second Dinner does regard this as a definitionally competitive game because, like, how could you not, right? Like, literally, the whole game is a play button where you fight somebody. But you but, have a uh, you have a unique collection, and you have these cool cards and arts, and right. it's a collection game. Like, I that, that yeah, I don't think they that do that. <laughs> that idea worked for like the first three months is is the issue. But as the player, like the. It's like the player pool is growing, you know, now they're adults and they have all like lots of cars, you know, like because because when you're when you're in like series one, series two, you're a kid, you know, you're, we're giving you kid toys, kid, kid cards and you're playing with each other. Oh, you're having fun. Da, da, da. Then you go into the adult world, you, you know, you, you hit adulthood. Now you start in the series three and now you're like, yo, here's your one or two series three cards. Make it work, you know. But now a lot of the kids, you know, they're they're now established. They have all the series three cards and now they're just looking at their they're looking to get a house or whatever. They're getting the series four cards. And now like they want different things. They're they're 
So it, it's it's more like the player pool now just has a lot of the they have, like most of the I would say most of the player base has all the series three cards. Like there there are new players coming in. You know, people are having children, inviting their friends. Now they you know now they now they're coming in series one. Like Ooh, I like the game, but a lot of the players are just like. They all series three complete. They're looking at the series four cards, series five cards, and they're just trying to make their decisions from there. So it it did work initially that a lot of people were uh, having unique collections. But now that unique collection argument is kind of moot because most people have all the series three cards and they, they get to pick the series four, series fives they want, right? Like everyone has high, high evolutionary because we all unanimously unanimously picked that as oh this is the card we're going to get this month and then same thing like anytime anything new that's looks powerful looks premium everyone's going to get it because the player base as a whole has the collective currency to just like pick up the cards they want so um, here's here's another pitch though mm-hmm. i think that the best decks have become increasingly more reliant on series four and five cards when you think back on how it was in those three months right leech leader yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) sarah the free to play hero Mm -hmm. these were decks that were series three complete like they Mm -hmm. were series three decks and now i mean even sarah runs hit monkey a decent amount of the time it runs kitty pride a decent amount of the time you look at uh death wave which is absolutely dead leech leader absolutely dead and it's like I can't help but feel like these archetypes that helped bridge players into the late game are no longer available to compete with. I did play Death Death Wave today for like quite a quite a bit, <laughs> and it was okay. Like you, you like like like. I mean, I didn't. I, oh, I didn't have wave in it. Destroy deck is actually like pretty close. To yeah, being yeah. an actual thing i ended but... up taking out null though i was like i it's like six power <laughs> i just played <laughs> i just played dr doom it was like yeah that's fine yeah as soon, i mean that's that okay, makes sense as that's soon you, as i took right? out like, null, that, i just that fought, is exactly I, I just fought uh, uh galactus and then i put it back in <laughs> then they left and i was yeah. like okay fine i'll just play yeah. Dr. Doom again. <laughs> yeah, yeah like that is a very you thing to do is like all right well what am i doing with this card uh it's dr doom now <laughs> made this card into dr doom yes uh that that is that is educated collins deck building 101 i i remember being like so mad you're just playing like some absolute random deck you're just like had a dr doom and it's like what the fuck is going on it's here? good though like it's good it is good i don't know what it is it it's illustrates a, the point you were making earlier just... of just like playing some stuff that people don't normally expect in the archetype you're just like i was i was doing like something specific where it was just like I was trying to like wave into like something specific or like wave into doom. You just like play your own doom, and I was like, oh, I got nothing out of that. Why are you playing doom here? Because <laughs> it's good. I mean, it's a good card. Yeah, it's good. It's pretty, good. Like anytime I don't know what to put in, it goes like doom, and then um, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's what doom they do. Jeff, and then I'm like, that's what, what Jeff else is. is. Jeff is just like, oh, I don't know what I'm playing. <laughs> I'm just gonna play Jeff. 
Always and then good. it's like Dark Hawk, I think, is like the third thing. <laughs> that like, one requires more effort, though. You gotta like Wait, put Dark Hawk with no supporting that. package. <laughs> well, well yeah. you, you know, Dark Hawk's not Blue Rock's Okay, you know? like, yeah, I, yeah. I just said, like, that's a big, like, okay, I, I, I need five cards, three of them Dark Hawk. Dark Hawk. Like, yeah. if, I, if I have any four of them playing, you know, I'm like, any four, okay, well, I, I guess I'll with Dark Hawk Rocks. I could go in there. Da, 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 da. I'll put it in. So that's kind of. It's definitely how something we, I look at. How are we doing on time, Brendan? We're probably very, uh, very far. <laughs> I was just about to close this out. I was going to ask if you had okay. any. I We're closing this out. I know, you, I know you have to like travel tomorrow. Well, so. I, I'm chilling. Um, but I was about to close this out because okay. we did have an actual... We just started, though. Yeah, we just start, there's so much more we just started, about. Yeah, you're right. We, we, we just started two tip hours of, ago. Tip, tip of the iceberg <laughs> of card acquisition, right? We, we only got the tip. <laughs> We uh, have so many things to yell about still. Yeah. It's a good convo, though. I think it's it's a convo that we have to have. No, this was a blast. Yeah. I think this was like literally... I, I, don't record this. I think uh, you were my favorite It's recorded. Guest. Nope. It's it. I think you were my favorite guest. I'm not even joking. I had a blast. Yeah. Uh, Educated Collins, for people listening, what are you up to these days? Where can they find you? Twitter, YouTube, streaming, etc. Uh, well, I've been promoting my YouTube because... That's that one works. <laughs> so you can find uh, educated Collins snap that YouTube uh, also on Twitter and Twitch. I would say also on discord. If you join the discord, you can also find me generally also in other places. But those are like those are the the real ones where I, I you know, I might respond. Maybe Reddit, uh, MySpace, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't have one. Uh, you, you catch me on catch me on Bebo. Is that, is that a social network? I don't even remember. I feel like it is. You can find that. me on Hold Billy on. B. <laughs> you can find me on Christian Mingle. Yeah. Well, we did have a review come in this week. This is from All Freaking Names Be Taken, yo. Um, they say, Excellence. As the title says, the show is great for any Marvel Snap player, new or old. It is great to hear the perspectives of diehard players as they cover new cards, top decks, balance updates, and other relevant top topics every week. I've been following for most of the 22 episodes and has helped me rethink my decks and strategies, but even more, it is enjoyable to listen to. It is also nice to hear... Also nice to hear other content creators and podcasters joining the conversation as special guests come on occasionally. Episodes like that help highlight just how great the community for Marvel Snap is as some of the top players and content creators join to speak on their experiences together. They often discuss they often discuss everything from new and upcoming releases to the grassroots tournaments they've all been a part of as competitors or took the role of organizers for i could say a lot more <laughs> but instead this was a planted message yeah but instead i'll get i'll just this. say this show uh give the show a chance yourself if you enjoy it hit all five stars like i did and write them a review even a short one helps podcasters in multiple ways but but perhaps the most important is it keeps them motivated to put out content everyone likes how their work is appreciated keep up the excellent work also keep an eye out for my ig uh Keep an eye out for me, IGN Visionary. Um, hope to see you all in the future. Yep, so that Whoa, was my... Uh, someone using a review for a plug. Yep. That's so next level, dude. <laughs> that, that, I mean, it was such a... It's such a nice review that you have to give yes. them the plug at the end. Like, yeah, oh, you yeah, do. They, deserve it. <laughs> yeah. they also said just look out for my in-game name because I think they're just looking to... Uh, they're just looking to compete. But if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't been listening for a while, you enjoy it, the number one thing you can do to help us out is leave us a review. Apple Podcasts is preferred and go to rate this you podcast. You can give them money. Don't lie. The number one thing is to donate monetarily. Number two yeah, thing is to give If you want to mail Brendan a thousand dollars, that's the number one. Cam thing. takes the backdoor, bro. 
guys, not me. <laughs> no, if you because if you do it with me, Twitch will take a cut. You can't you can't do it through me. Yeah, just twenty five gifted. Um, anyway, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash snapshot. There's a video version of this on YouTube if you're listening on pod platforms at youtube.com slash the underscore snapshot. We are all on Twitter. I'm at Brendan APG. Educated Collins is at Educated Collins. Cam Best is at Cam Best MS. And Cam, your streaming schedule and anything else you're up to. Cam Best in a snap Incredibly, is the YouTube channel, by the way. That is true. It is Cam Best in a snap. There's a, there's a colon in there. Uh, incredibly, I streamed on Thursday last week, which is the day we're recording this. But when you hear it, it'll be in the past. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So my schedule is a little bit up in the air. But the current schedule is uh, we stream on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Tuesday and Wednesday. Mm. That is that is currently where I am at. Awesome. So for any of the diehard Snapshot fans out there, we're, we've come up with a new drinking game. It's going to be take a shot every time KM Best changes his streaming schedule. Be careful. On I that didn't one. change <laughs> shit, dude. And you take like one shot maybe a week, okay? That, that's <laughs> every week. That, okay. Uh, anyway, Educated Collins, thank you so much for coming out. It was a great conversation. Really appreciate, appreciate you joining us today. And for everybody else, we'll see you next week. Bye.